0: I just want to unpack one little verse, very familiar one, we quoted often, but today I just feel directed to kind of unpack this verse for us. Everyone say, new creation. New creation, new creation that's us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, That's the word creation in several modern translations of the English Bible. He's a new creature. He's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Would you pray with pastor for just a second? Lord Jesus, thank you for the witness of your spirit that is here. I'm praying for a low ceiling of the supernatural over this church today and somebody that walked in with a difficulty that's insurmountable and a problem that's unsolvable. Lord, before they leave here, heaven would touch down and touch their life and you'd change it because what you see is not what we see and what you feel is not always the same as what we feel. So you can do things that are unbelievable to us, impossible to us. And I invite you to do that very thing this morning for people that are here. And we will give you all the honor and the glory and the praise. Of course we will. You're so good to us. You're so good to us. I thank you, Jesus, for that song that we just participated in and we sang. There's nobody here too far gone, too far wasted, too far messed up that you can't turn them around and help them do what only you can do, heal what only you can heal, fix what only you can fix. In the name of Jesus, we invite you to do it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That word, creature, creation, of course, the New Testament came to us via the Greek language. And That's a Greek term that means basically what you think it should mean. A creation is the artistry or the accomplishment. It is the the breakthrough or the brainchild of a genius. It's the conception or the construction of a magnificent artist or builder. It's imagination, it's the invention, the design, the handiwork, the masterpiece. In Latin, we'd say it's the magnum opus, the great work of a creator. You can't have a creature without a creator. You can't have a creation without a creator. And that word, when I studied it out, creature or creation, it encompasses this idea. And and here's how they said it, I'll just say their definition and then try to explain. The proprietorship of the manufacturer. The proprietorship of the manufacturer. In other words, there is no creation Without the creator, but not only that, the creation or the creature only functions to its full potential with the creator's guidance. Without the creator's guidance, without the creator's hand, without the creator's direction, his creation, his creature, cannot function to its full potential. It would be like trying to maintain everything in your house by using your garage door opener. It wasn't created to do all of that. There has to be a creator, a mastermind, a bigger mind that can look further down the road and can see other things and do other things. Now, in the secular Greek language of the time, way back 2000 years ago, that word creature or creation, it was used in the Greek language to indicate the founder of a city, the builder of a building, the artist who painted a masterpiece or sculpted a masterpiece. They were the creator. But although the Greeks believed in many gods, not one time did the Greeks ever use that word, even though they had many gods, they never used that word creator to um, convey the idea of a divine creator or to convey a creative act by any of those Hundreds of gods, they never did that. For them, for the Greek mind, when Jesus lived and when the apostles walked, for the Greek mind, creation belonged only to human beings. We were the creators and that's much like today when atheists and agnostics would try to tell us that either God doesn't exist or if he does, he doesn't care and he's not involved. So if we're gonna help ourselves, we've gotta help ourselves. If anybody's gonna be saved, we've gotta save ourselves. That's what they think. It's really an old idea that God is separate from his creation. But that is not what we see in the New Testament. Here's how Paul reflected the society of his day in Romans 1.25. He said, they changed the truth of God into a lie and they worshiped and they served the creature. Somebody say the creature, more than the creator who's blessed forever. Paul said, can you imagine it? Our society is worshiping humanity and not worshiping the God who made humanity. Our society is worshiping materialism and not worshiping the God who gives all blessings. Our society is worshiping pleasure and not worshiping the God who created and gave every good thing. Now that was Paul's day. Does that sound familiar to our day? Human nature doesn't change very much over 2,000 years. So that's the Greek concept, that if anybody's gonna save us, we gotta save ourselves. We're the creator. If anybody's gonna help us, we gotta help ourselves. We're the creator. But that is not the idea in the New Testament. Totally different in the language of the Bible. There we see that humanity, left to its own devices and its own understanding, humanity is ultimately self destructive in what it creates. We create things that we think are going to help us or bless us and they end up ensnaring us and messing us up. We learn from scripture that God, the one God, the true God is the ultimate creator but that's not all he is. Not only is God our original creator, he is our ultimate re-creator. Because once we've messed it up in sin, once we've gone the wrong way in rebellion, once we've had mistakes and heartaches and failures, God can step in. And the creator who created us in the first place, he can step in and recreate us in the second or third or tenth place. Doesn't matter how many times you've made mistakes or how many wrong turns you've made or how far you are away from God. He's not just the creator, he's the re-creator. He erases the spiritual effects of sin and rebellion and mistakes and failures, and we have a word for that. It's called the new birth. It's called being born again. It's kind of like this, you messed up the first time, but God's gonna give you a second time. And if you don't think you've ever messed up, ask your spouse. My goodness, that's pretty basic. If your spouse lies to you, ask your kids. They'll tell you. The creator placed inside his creation, inside every person here this morning, inside every heart and every mind here, he placed in us a default setting. And that default setting, if you've ever longed for more, more of anything, More of everything. More of something. That's your default setting given to you by your creator. You were created to want and desire more. Something greater than your current experience. If you've ever felt that, you're doing exactly what God created you to do. You're being, you were created to long for more. And Paul, he unpacks a little bit of this in Romans chapter eight. In verse 19, he says, for the earnest expectation of the creature, somebody say the creature. The earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Folks, put that on the screen for me, would you? The earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. We're waiting for something greater. We're waiting for something more. We're waiting for something that hasn't gotten here yet. For the creature, somebody say creature, was made subject to vanity. You experience frailty, you experience mistakes, you experience frustration, you experience difficulties and setbacks and problems. You were made subject to vanity, not willingly. You didn't choose your problems, you just encountered your problems but by reason of him, God, who has subjected the same in hope. God created a world where we could choose freely and we chose wrong. God created a world where you had free will and your free will has gotten you into a mess of problems from time to time. And so God subjected us to that Not so he could frustrate us or hurt us. He gave us free will so you could make a choice to do something more than just exist in this life and then die and we have your funeral. God created you to want something more and he's hoping that what you will want that's more is him. Look at the next verse. He said, because the creature, somebody say creature, The creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. That's a promise from God. You say, well, I don't feel much liberty yet. I don't feel much of that glory yet. I don't feel much of that divine supernatural stuff yet. Well, you're created to long for it until you receive it. And here's the ultimate fulfillment of the promise. Next verse. For we know... That the whole creation, everybody say creation. That's all of us creatures put together. We know that the whole creation is groaning and travailing in pain together until now. I know that there are scientific explanations for a lot of the phenomenon that happen in the world. I got it. And God knows that because he created the world to operate by the principles that we know now Our science, so God understands that. But there's something behind science that the scientists can't put their finger on. There have always been earthquakes, but the severity and the magnitude is moving off the charts in the last century. There have always been weird kinds of weather like what struck the Bahamas uh, just days ago. But those kinds of dramatic extreme weather are increasing. There have always been all kinds of social upheavals and all kinds of issues and problems. And we've got scientists, some of them are crusading that that it's all about global warming and some are saying that's a hoax and I'm not here to make any statement about science or about politics today. I'm just here to tell you that underneath all those dramatic changes that are sometimes scary, there's a creation, there's a planet called Earth that God created. And it's groaning, and it's travailing. It's like it's going into labor. It's about to birth something and what the earth is about to birth is promised in the scripture that there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth because God is returning to set up his eternal kingdom and so when you look around and you see all these things that the Bible prophesied thousands of years ago, literally, and the Bible told us these things would come to pass. Jesus said these things would come to pass. The prophet said Said, these things would come to pass. The apostles said these things would come to pass. And when you see them, Jesus said, all of these things, don't look down and around and back and don't get scared, lift up your head because your redemption's drawing nigh. It's, it's coming really close. And this is what Paul's alluding to. This whole creation, all of the things that God created, they're starting to groan and travail because they long for more. The earth longs for more. The trees long for more. The ground longs for more. The rivers and the lakes and the oceans, they long for more. There's something in God's creation that it was created for something more than this. And then he gives us the punchline. And not only they, It's not just the trees and the lakes and the elements. Not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. All of us that are filled with God's Spirit, there's a groaning that happens inside of us. We groan within ourselves. Why? We are waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of the body. If you've ever said I'm so tired of this, God put that in you. If you've ever said I wish I could get through this or over this or by this or past this, God put that in you. If you've ever said I don't like my current situation, God put that in you. If you've ever said there's got to be something better than this, God put that in you. There's something by default put in you to say there's got to be more, there's got to be greater, there's got to be better, there's got to be nicer, there's got to be kinder, there's got to be happier. There's got to be more peaceful. There's got to be more joyful. God put that in you so you'd know there was something more. And of course, people mess that up because the world and the flesh and the devil will tell you that that something more can be found in sin. It can be found in going against the principles of the word of God and participating in whatever feels right to you. But if you've done that very long, you'll find out that that comes to a dead end too. Some of the most miserable people in our city are people that have tried anything they wanted to try and it wrecked them. Some of them thought that they were gonna get a high and they found out their life is now one permanent low. Some of them thought that this was the way to pleasure and fulfillment and fun and they found out it was the way to heartbreak and destruction and dysfunction the devil and the world and the flesh, they tell you that something more can be found in sin, but God tells us something more can only be found in salvation. I take you back to our text, Second Corinthians. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. There's gotta be a way that you can take all the old stuff that's messing you up and trade it in. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So here's the bottom line. If you are in Christ, you are right now a new creature. And all things right now are become new. Right now. And that's where some people get really confused and messed up and kind of, they get a little grumpy because I got born again. And I went back to the same old house and the same old job and the same old problems and the same old family and the same old wife. I just threw that in for some of you. You were thinking it. Pastor Raymond, how is that new? Well, let me put it in Greek terms. In Greek terms, new in that verse isn't Nihos, it is kahinos. There, go in peace. (laughs) Isn't that enlightening? How about this? This works better. New in this verse doesn't mean new in time. It means new in kind. Not new in time, new in kind. See, nihos, which is new in time, is something that's recent or newly arrived or just appearing or youthful or rejuvenated or renovated. It's new in the sense of time. It's numerically new. It's new on the scene, but it's not different at all. Uh, For example, a farmer would say, this year's crop. It's a new crop, but it's the same crop as last year. You would say, this is my new car. Well, yeah, But it's going to look old in a few months. Wait till after winter. I have a new outfit. Yeah. Until you hang it in your closet and forget it. And then 50 years from now, it's like we have a new book we're reading. It's like every other book. We have a new baby. Oh, I know your baby is the baby. I know there's no other baby like your baby. God never created a baby like your baby. There's no baby prettier or nicer or smarter than your baby. But can I just tell you, your baby's like every other baby. Except for my grandchildren. (laughs) That's nihos. It's new in time. It's newly arrived. But it's not really that different than everything that's gone before. But new in this verse isn't new in time. It's new in kind. In the Greek language, it's kahinos. It means something that's better or superior. It's fresh and different. It's something you've never experienced or encountered. It's new in the sense of kind, it's fundamentally new. It's like comparing a horse and buggy to your SUV, it's like comparing Morse code to your iPhone. It's like comparing writing with pen and paper to typing on a laptop with a wireless connection to the cloud and everything you type is instantly transmitted to all of your other devices. It's just totally, fundamentally new. Your new birth isn't about changing the dimensions of your physical life. You do go home when you get born again to the same house and the same car and the same bills and the same problems. It's not about changing the parameters of your physical life. It's about changing the parameters of your spiritual life. And this is what you got to understand. It's not about changing your temporal situation. It's about changing your eternal destination. That's why sometimes right now we groan. And we travail, Paul said, we weep and we sorrow and we get confused and we get frustrated and we have problems that won't go away and sickness that doesn't seem it's gonna get healed and we have issues and situations and we struggle to have peace and we want to have joy and right now it seems like we're doing a whole lot more groaning and travailing than anything else. But Paul said, we're groaning for something. We're travailing for something. And when we get to heaven... All of that groaning and travailing and longing for more will be over forever. And what we will do in heaven is we will worship God forever and forever. In fact, let me tell you this. Worship is the one activity that we do on earth that we will continue to do in heaven. Nothing else. You can't witness in heaven. We're already there. God's already decided his bride. We won't need to pray in heaven. We're in the immediate presence of God. We're not going to have needs and wants and desires in heaven. Jesus will fulfill everything. There is one activity that we will do in heaven that we are practicing for right now in this service on this Sunday morning. Every time you lift up your hands and your voice and you begin to worship God you're hooking in to the supernatural realm. You're hooking in to your new nature. You're hooking in to that new creation. You're hooking in to your eternal destiny. Destination. That's why you can worship God and go home and the situation might be the same, but you'll feel different about it because you were in the moving, living, manifest presence of God, worshiping Him. <laughs> oh my and if it's the one thing that we'll continue to do in heaven, Don't you think we should have as many practices and rehearsals and drills and just kind of run-throughs as we possibly could here? Because when you get to heaven, the worship's not gonna be real sedate. It's gonna be shouting. It's gonna be joy. It's gonna be dancing and rejoicing. It's gonna be singing and shouting like you've never heard. That's heaven. Revelation 5, verse 13. And every creature... Somebody say creature. Creature. Every creature, all the created things that were here on earth, or they were angels and they occupied the heavens, everything God created, his masterpiece of creation, every creature which is on heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such are as in the sea and all that are in them. John said, I heard every creature. God created them the first time. Some of them fell and messed up. We call those the human creation. And God redeemed them. Do you know what redeemed means? It means you got a chance to be recreated. You were bought back out of sin. And all of those creatures, John said, I heard them. And in heaven, they weren't groaning anymore. (laughs) They weren't travailing anymore they weren't crying anymore they weren't weeping and mourning they weren't standing at hospital bedsides or at open graves or at open caskets they weren't just mourning for all the losses and all the setbacks they weren't confused by anything anymore he said I didn't hear any of that here's what I heard I heard them worshiping it's the one thing we do on earth that we will do in heaven blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and under the lamb forever and ever. Why are they saying that? Because it's the one who sits on the throne that changed my life. It's the one who sits on the throne who's the reason I'm here on streets of gold. It's the one who sits on the throne that gave me a second chance. It's the one who sits on the throne that although I had a physical situation, I couldn't overcome. He let me overcome my spiritual situation. See, when you go to heaven, you're leaving your physical situation behind. Brother Larry, thank you for standing. That's an effort for that good man. You inspired me today when he came up here and started walking across the front. It's a whole lot more difficult for him to walk across the front. But let me tell you what he was doing. He was saying in his spirit, I may be in pain now, but I'm not going to be in pain forever. If God heals me here, that's great. But if I have to wait till there, I'm still going to serve God, and I'm still going to worship. I can worship in spite of pain. I I can worship in spite of depressing thoughts. I can worship in spite of what's going on at home. I can worship despite of what the devil has thrown at me this week. Worship is the only thing we do here that we're gonna keep doing there. Oh my goodness. Yes, Jesus. I worship you, God. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I thank you in the face of the devil. I thank you in the midst of my confusion. I thank you in the middle of my problems. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Music, come on back. (laughs) Heaven is now the default setting for every child of God when it doesn't feel right down here that's because God put heaven in your soul and it just doesn't match up when you think that's not right that shouldn't be happening that's unjust, that's not fair I don't get that, I don't understand that I don't even like that God's saying good, good, good I put heaven in you as your new default setting and when you see something that doesn't match heaven it doesn't look right or feel right to you We read this at gravesides all the time with precious little families weeping and crying for now. Precious families mourning a huge gaping loss for now. And we read this scripture. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Some of us are going in the rapture. So we're not all gonna go to the grave. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all, every one of us, will be changed. We're gonna be a new creation. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, I always like to read it this way. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. It's a guarantee because heaven is now the default setting for every spirit-filled child of God. This old corruptible, this first creation, it must put on incorruption. And this mortal that trips and falls and fails and is fragile and gets sick and gets diseases and head colds and flu and and just has struggles and problems that my mind doesn't comprehend. And, and I just don't like stuff. This mortal must put on immortality. Oh my. He was a brilliant man. He wrote several books that are are just brilliant and engaging and intelligent. His name was C.S. Lewis and one of his books is called Mere Christianity. And this quote just encapsulates his brilliance but encapsulates what I'm trying to say this morning. C.S. Lewis. The Christian says, creatures are not born with desires unless a satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger, well, there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim, well, there's such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire, well, there's such a thing as sex. But if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, (laughs) the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care, on the one hand, never to despise or to be unthankful for these earthly blessings. And on the other hand, never to mistake my earthly blessings for the something else of which they are only a copy or an echo or a mirage. I must keep alive within myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that country and to help others do the same. That is why Jesus concludes his ministry by saying this to the disciples Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why? Because we got to give these creatures a chance to get recreated. We got to give these creatures a chance to be born again. We got to give these creatures a chance to have the desires of their life and their heart and their mind and their soul satisfied. Would you stand with me right now? And would you do the one activity That we do here that we will continue in heaven. Would you lift up your hands and your voice? And would you just worship Jesus for a moment? He has a destiny planned for some creature here this morning. You're his creation. He loves you. He made you. He put in you the default setting that says, something's not right in my life. He put that in you so you'd cry out for him. He put in you the default setting that said, my marriage is in trouble, Pastor Raymond. He put that in you so you'd call out to him. He put in you the sense that, I don't know why I'm struggling with depression. I don't know why I'm not content with my good job. I don't know why my house just feels kind of empty. I don't know why it doesn't feel like a home. He put that in you. So you cry out for something more and keep crying out until he got a chance to recreate you. You can be a new creation. You can be. You can be. Church, I need you to just go to prayer right now. We're in a time of special prayer. I need you to go to prayer right now. Thank you, Jesus. Now what I've tried to do this morning is do what Jesus told me to do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You don't preach to creatures because you want them to stay the same. You preach to creatures because you know God created them and He wants to recreate them in His image. That's why we preach. And so here's what I'd like to give you an opportunity to do this morning. Please hear Pastor Raymond. Some of you, you're struggling. Some of you, you're sad. You're depressed. Some of you, you've had so many setbacks, it seems like you can't get over it. Some of you, you've had enough heartache to sink three families and you're dealing with it all alone. Some of you, you've got pressure on your job, pressure in your relationships, pressure in your finances, you got some kind of pressure. And there's a thousand other things I could name. And just because I didn't name your situation doesn't mean that it's not important to us or important to God. But here's what I know. God created you with a default setting to say, there's gotta be something more than this world. And if you feel that in any sense, in any area of your life, there's got to be something better. There's got to be something more. There's got to be more love than this. There's got to be more peace than this. There's got to be more joy than this. It's working. Your creator put it there. He didn't put it there to hurt you, to make you angry or frustrated or depressed. He put it there so you would stand in a service like this one this morning and say creator you gave me this but this is hurting this body's sick this mind is confused this life is it's, it's just messed up He put that in you so you would say to your creator I just need to be recreated oh that's open to everybody in this room that's open to everybody in this room And the first step in your journey toward recreation is repentance. Repentance is saying, God, I'm gonna turn completely to you. I'm gonna leave all of that in the past and I'm gonna give you a chance to recreate this because I've messed it up. Or somebody messed me up. Would you close your eyes, please, in a moment of reverence and respect to everybody? And we'll all end up here in just a moment. But as people are praying in church, I do need you to pray and I don't need you to do that silent prayer thing. I just need you to pray with your voice.